0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. It is week 10. I'm Tom Scavetta joined alongside my co-host Sam Cardona. Sam, how are you feeling? Um, This might be the most serious show we have to host in the four, three, three and a half years of doing this show now. Potentially franchise altering game last week. But first off, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing well, um, but unfortunately, yeah, there's some tough things we got to talk about today. Uh, elephant in the room, Daniel Jones, um, and just the rest of the season going forward. It's, um, it's going to be a little tough. It's going to be a little rough, I feel like. I can't see us having a very solid uh, couple of years ahead of us, but hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong.
0: Folks, uh, before Sam and I really get into the meat of tonight's show, if you want to check Sam and I out for more additional content and uh, check the replay of tonight's episode as well, we're on Big Blue Avenue at Twitter, Instagram, um, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. Appreciate everyone that has tuned in and watched uh, Giants get thumped by the Raiders 30-6, <laughs> to six, falling to 2-7 and seven on the year um antonio pierce former giant comes in typical interim head coaches drive first drive of the game they go down and score aiden o'connell looks like an all pro and then sam the end of the first quarter comes along and let's just get right to it yeah daniel jones terraces acl on the final play of the first quarter trying to make it work during the commercial break comes in for one play in the second quarter. And his three-week absence with the neck was short-lived for one quarter and one play. Torn ACL out for the season.
1: Yeah. Rough. Really rough. Um, and I – the second he went down, not, non-contact, you know, it's nobody's fault. But um, the second he went down, I was like, that's not good. I don't know what what just happened, but I just know it's not good. And when the ACL was confirmed, you know – it it's like we were just without him for a couple of weeks so it's not as hard hitting i don't think but like you were saying you know this is going to be a franchise changing decision here you know what what it's the unknown of everything that you know we don't really know what's going to happen is daniel jones going to play another snap for us you know is he going to come back better than ever is he not going to be playing well you know is he going to get benched is he going to get traded or are we going to you know what, what like what's going to happen here and it's it's kind of scary to think of the fact that there's so many different things that could happen and we really don't know what's going to happen um but it's it sucks as two people who really enjoy having daniel jones on their team and and believing in him for all these years it sucks cuz it really It really does seem like the end of this era, unfortunately.
0: It's heartbreaking, for sure. You know, especially after Eli Manning was the starter for 16 years. I mean, he kind of laid down a blueprint, Sam, and a lot of people took Manning for granted. And then here comes Daniel Jones. And I think a lot of people have a sentimental attachment to Daniel Jones because he was Eli Manning's successor. Uh, Your thoughts on that part of it all?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, we were, I was always excited to have Daniel Jones on the team. You know, there's very few days that I've actually doubted him and his abilities. And he came in after Eli, and, you know, we were very hopeful. We felt really good about everything. We felt like this is the guy, you know, he came into that game and won that Buccaneers game. And we were like, okay, like, this isn't going to be that bad. Um, but yeah, he will always hold a very special place. And my heart and our hearts and certain Giants fans' hearts, I know not every Giants fan likes Daniel Jones. Um, But, you know, we have to give him credit where credit is due. He brought us to the playoffs last year. We won a playoff game against the Vikings. Like, we did that. And I don't think anyone thought we were going to do anything like that with Daniel Jones under center. So we need to give him credit where credit is due. I know he's been dealt a crappy hand um, with the coaches, with the receivers, with the offensive line. You know, it's like it, it sucks because, of. unfortunately, I do feel like he might end up later down the line somewhere else and be a good quarterback and and thrive. And, unfortunately, you know, it seems more possible now than ever with all this stuff going on.
0: Yeah, it was so bad, Sam. Sunday night I had a dream he got traded to Washington. <gasps>
1: Oh my God. You know, that's a nightmare.
0: <laughs> it is a nightmare. Um, not bad. Here's my take on Daniel Jones. And as you all know, I'm a big avid Daniel Jones supporter in this game against, uh, I almost call them Oakland Vegas. He did not look good early on, even before the injury, you could tell the neck was still bothering him a little bit. Um, he overthrew Hyatt twice, which doesn't happen all that much. You know one of his biggest strengths is deep ball accuracy and it wasn't there. Um, You know, and now Tommy DeVito comes in. The offense can't do much. He got sacked six times, three of them from from Max Crosby. But when it comes to Daniel Jones, folks, I want to be very clear about this. Um, Whatever happened in the 2019 to 2020 offseason ruined him. Because although Joe Judge came in and helped him fix his turnovers, Jason Garrett ruined the man. Everything is five yards, short passes, don't go past your first read. I mean, that's all backup quarterback stuff. That's all stuff that Jason Garrett did when he was a quarterback in the NFL. That's what Daniel Jones started to do, and he started to do that with Dak Prescott. And then once Jason Garrett left, Prescott kind of took off a little bit. Now with Daniel Jones, it seems like he reverted. When Dable, Shane, and Kafka come in in 2022, we start to see, oh, we win a playoff game with Darius Slayton, Richie James, and Isaiah Hodgins as our wide receivers, And a rookie fourth round pick is our tight end. Um, You know, Daniel Jones, a lot of the time throughout his career, he was without Saquon Barkley and vice versa. Barkley's been on the field a lot without Daniel Jones. For me, it's more the injuries than the play. If your best ability is your availability, and if you're not going to be available enough, then Joe Shane and Brian Dable are put in a very, very difficult spot. Jones will miss the final eight games of the 2023 campaign after missing three already, and, you know, it sucks. Daniel Jones will always have a special place in my heart. And, Sam, I'm not saying this is the end for him. They just signed him to a four-year, $160 million contract. He is the consummate professional. He's a pro's pro. You know, right now he should be focusing on Um, you know, motion, getting that surgery in a few weeks from now, talking to Saquon because Saquon dealt with the the exact same injury a couple years ago and look at him now. Daniel Jones will be a starter again in this league. Um, When Daniel Jones is healthy, I would still take him over half the league as a starting quarterback. The problem is it's time to move on from him here. And what I mean by that is Daniel Jones will be on the Giants next season. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But will he be starting next year? Um, my answer to that is if he's healthy, he will start next year until the rookie that they potentially draft the quarterback, if they elect to go that route, which is looking more and more likely, is ready. I mean, look what the Chiefs did in 2017. Patrick Mahomes did not start a game. He was the 10th overall pick, and he did not start a game. Aaron Rodgers, first-round pick in 2005. He didn't see the field for his first three seasons. That's why, why the heck is it an 05 draft pick still in the league? Well, Rodgers didn't start playing till 2008. Mm-hmm. So with Daniel Jones under contract <laughs> legally for three more seasons, but one more year with the potential opt-out after year two, if Jones is healthy, I think he starts next year to at least start the season. Yeah. But eventually Sam... He's going to get replaced. I hate to say it. Joe Shane and Brian Dable cannot go into year three of their regime with an injury-plagued quarterback leading the helm. Unfortunately, they just cannot do it. They need to focus on themselves and their jobs. And I think that's the right direction this organization has to go in, unfortunately
1: yeah and we've seen it so many times before with other teams you know they 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 draft a quarterback they have their starter by week four, five six. that guy's sitting down, and the rookies coming in you know it's just it's just the matter of it's like the circle of life in football it's just the way things kind of happen um but i agree i i'm I was actually speaking with Jordan before this um trying to get kind of an outsider's point of view on on this um even though she is an Eagles fan she she helps to support us and and what we're doing um but she said that unfortunately she sees Daniel Jones as this guy who's going to be a great backup like he's going to be one of those guys like you know kind of like i mentioned Baker Mayfield you know he's kind of floats around the league and has these stellar moments where people are like oh yeah i forgot he is a really good quarterback and then maybe the team gives him the chance, and here and there, kind of how Baker's with Tampa Bay right now. But that's kind of her thought process on it. But I I also wouldn't be surprised if that ended up happening. But I do feel like Daniel Jones, for us... You know, we rode with him this whole time. You know, we never strayed. We never said, oh, maybe not. Oh, not. I don't know if we're feeling him this week. Like, every week, you and I were always talking about how much we believed in Daniel Jones. We wanted him to do well. And, unfortunately, we couldn't uncap that incredible potential that I still feel like he has. And this is only going to slow him down. I mean... I, unfortunately, you know he's not like a Joe Burrow coming off of an ACL and taking a team to the Super Bowl the following year. You know, like he's just not on that similar level. Unfortunately, so it, it's it's just sad. I I'm I'm upset that again we don't really know what's going to happen, but what you're saying is most likely what's going to end up happening. Whoever we do draft, if we draft someone or we pick somebody up, whatever it may be, but yeah, it's. Uh, the era is kind of coming to a close here.
0: Yeah. I think Jordan brings up a good point. I could see him as a top of the line backup. Do I entirely agree with that? No, but I do think that could happen. She might be right. She might be right. And I think that's a very logical outsider's point of view for sure. Um, I'm still holding on to that slimmer of hope, Sam, but at the same time, I know the writing is on the wall. Yeah. Um, decent enough of a fan to know that i would like to think but moving on from that for now uh moving forward sim who do you have as leaders of the offense i really think saquon and wandale are two guys that have to step up because saquon he's playing for a potential contract at the end of this season and he has eight games to prove that and then wandale robinson who had his first touchdown reception of the season on sunday is really starting to develop. And as a slot receiver, he could be a rookie's best friend in Tommy DeVito, who is the new QB1. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I definitely feel like Wandale is in that sort of momentum. Um, but in terms of if I had to say who's leading this offense right now, it's Saquon. Um, you know, Saquon's a vet at this point, he's been playing well. Unfortunately, with the line, he's not you know having those Saquon moments that we normally have because it can't give you know can't give him the space, can't get him you know the holes to run through or anything like that. But um, but no, I agree. I I, we spoke about Wandale this week, and you know I'm, I'm impressed by him, and I feel like it's almost like there's so much unlocked potential in our receiving core because you know they're not getting those opportunities to shine and become this like star receiver. I mean. We were talking about Isaiah Hodgins being our wide receiver number one. I don't even know if I've even heard his name being called all year. Like, he's just nowhere to be found. Um, So I think Saquon's definitely leading this offense. He's doing what he needs to do as the veteran, as the star on our team for the most part here. Um, But I'd, I'd like to think that Wandale will be somebody that Tommy DeVito leans on a little bit here to get some yards, hopefully get some points. On the board, um, I know Tommy's starting this weekend, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting rest of the year.
0: (laughs) Francesco Marzella chiming in saying Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito touchdowns, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know a lot of my friends like the name Tommy DeVito and I don't, I won't say I blame them for that, (laughs) um. This kid apparently went over every single play in the playbook over the last couple of days with Mike Kafka and Shay Tierney. Every single one. So, I mean, obviously that's what you would hope for. But touchdown, Tommy. Let's go, Giants. <laughs> Appreciate you, Frankie. Um, keep killing it at Holy Cross. Holy Cross rugby athlete, Francesco Marzella. Got to give you the plug there, my guy. Um, Got to love rugby. But, DeVito did get sacked six times on Sunday, and I will say, Sam, if he's going to be any type of decent backup quarterback in the future, he has to cut down on turnovers. I think now over these next few weeks, we will get a more fair assessment of him. I know he threw the two interceptions early against the Raiders, but this weekend I think we get the full picture in his first NFL start. Who is Tommy DeVito um, the more I thought about this, we should have gotten Andy Hopper on tonight, who is an That's Illinois great. fan, and he yeah. saw DeVito for one year. DeVito did four years at Syracuse, no, five years at Syracuse, and one year at Illinois. So he did six wow. years of college. Yep. How old is he? <laughs> DeVito was born in '98, so he is.
1: So he's twenty-five.
0: And yeah, he's, t- I think he late, late birthday, turning.
1: Turning twenty-five this year.
0: I got to check this now because I'm intre- I'm actually interested to see how old he is, but I'm pretty sure he's an older rookie. Yeah, he's 25.
1: So, older wow. Rookie. And he was just drafted Yeah, or undrafted.
0: Un- undrafted rookie who did get some looks in the seventh round. There were some teams interested in him.
1: Well, I mean, I think that. If he does what he needs to do, you know, if he can prove that he, you know, this is, you know, guys get put in situations like this where they're like, this is my chance to, you know, whether or not it's this team I play for, but put in reps, have people watch you. You know, some people might say, hey, that Tommy DeVito kid, he's pretty good. So I'd like to think that, you know, he's going to put his all into these games because like this is his shot and um, this is the opportunity that he has in order to Make a name for himself in the league as a rookie. Um, otherwise, Matt Barkley is just gonna walk right in there and just kind of do what he needs to do as a backup. You know, he's not trying to he's not trying to make waves or anything. He's just there to do his job. So uh, I'm interested to see. I do. I'd like to think that he's gonna put his all into this, and and maybe we'll get some pretty interesting plays out of it.
0: Yes, I do agree that DeVito has a lot riding on him right now. I don't know much about DeVito, says Kevin, but I do think you're right about Saquon. He's playing for his future with the Giants. Um, I think he's earned it, but will Joe Shane view that? If Daniel Jones gets moved on from, is it possible that Saquon can get moved on from? Will Darius Slayton opt out of his two-year deal? There's a lot of possibilities here. This Daniel Jones injury could be a ripple effect for this entire team, all these veterans that have been here for four to five years, which is why I said at the beginning of the show, which is why both of us said it, this could have been a franchise-altering game for the Giants because DeVito, not DeVito, Barkley and Slayton could be right behind Jones out the door Mm. if they move on from him.
1: Yeah, we could be dealing with a completely different team by this time next year.
0: Yeah, and speaking of different team, uh, well, the offensive line finally got back to full swing to start the game, but we saw a completely different group out there. And Sam, I don't know about you, but this lineup was interesting. They went with Thomas at left tackle, which that, that's a given, after missing seven weeks. Thrilled to have him back, by the way. Sure. Justin Pugh at left guard, I thought that was interesting. They moved Ben Bredesen from left guard to right. So Glowinski was benched. Neal at right tackle, and then Schmidt's at center. Although Neal was replaced by Phillips, Evan Neal has a sprained ankle, who is now week for week, week to week. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I was shocked they didn't. I I would have went Glowinski over Pew and put left Bredesen in his spot, just because. Mm.
1: I, I can see too. both I can see both sides here. I can yeah. see why they switched it around, but I could also see um, your point. I think that they're just trying to figure out what works at this point. Um, you know, maybe they're gonna you know they could put Pew at left guard and be like all of a sudden he just pops off and has an amazing game. and they're like, well, all right, guess we're gonna put him there. you know like at this point, there's not a lot to lose um, yeah. being two and seven uh you know playoff hopes are basically dead at this point so why not tinker around and see what works um but hopefully we fix this offensive line by next season because it's just been a roller coaster this entire year um it'll be i mean even uh i think it, oh my god i feel like the all the weeks are combining in my brain but this was the week <laughs> that uh Evan Neal was walking to the sidelines and Dable just looked pissed at him like I I, And, like, he gets pretty angry pretty often, but they caught him at a really bad time on camera and, like, Evan Neal, dude, like, (laughs) it's just, I keep waiting for it to, like, get better and it's just not getting better.
0: It's hard not to laugh. I can't help but giggle a little bit, Sam, because every week he just looks like, it's like dumber and dumber. Out there to, to be honest, like Dable literally said WTF to Evan Neal. Yep. So <laughs> I don't blame him for that. Cole G says, I hope I never see Glowinski again. I understand that. He 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 was trash uh in week one. He was not good last year either. He has improved over the last several weeks, though. And you're right, he's an older player. I think it's time to move on from him after this season. But yeah. that kind of leads us to our next point. Where do the Giants go from here? You know, I think defensively, you know, it wasn't the best game for Deontay Banks. Um, the lone bright spot on defense was Micah McFadden, who just continues to impress. And he was phenomenal in this game. He was the highest graded Giant on PFF. And he is the third best grade among all inside linebackers since week six. I think we found a gem here. Fifth-round pick or fourth-round pick? Fifth-round pick.
1: He was fifth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, he's between him. Like, we've been talking about him and Bobby O'Karakay for the last couple of weeks. We've been giving Bobby O that player of the week status, but constantly bringing up Micah McFadden. And it's almost like, you know, he's just – he keeps doing his job. He keeps doing exactly what he needs to do and then going a little bit above and beyond – and I'm I'm very happy with his performance. I'm very happy with the way that he's been playing. I think our defense as a whole has been performing a lot better. Um this past week was a little rough with the 30 points on the board, but um, you know, it is what it is. I mean that I love how last week we were talking about how we were like, Yeah, the Giants got this in the bag. <laughs> this is a get right game for us.
0: Not nah, not what it was. <laughs> not what it was. Um, I mean, to put the icing on the cake, the Giants had two kickers on their 53-man roster on Sunday. Cade York, who was literally pulled off a golf course on hole nine to join the Giants. And then Randy Bullock, who was with us in 2016 for a cup of coffee.
1: There
0: you go. Micah has been playing really, really well. Battle of the Micahs this week, McFadden against Parsons. There you go. Um, But, Sam, let's get to our player of the week. Yeah. We had two people in mind. McFadden was one of them. We did not go with him, but we went with this guy.
1: Wandale Robinson, an offensive guy as our player of the week for the first time in quite a number of weeks here. Um, so four catches for 34 yards and a touchdown uh, for five targets. Pretty, you know, com- comparing everybody else, pretty good. Um, in 2023, he's has 27 catches for 198 yards. And so this was his first touchdown of the year this past weekend. Um, he has four plus receiving in five out of seven games played this year. Uh played 60% of the offensive snaps this year. And he looked and look for Robinson and Jalen Hyatt as these options in the last the next games in the second half of the season here. Um, but you know, not outstanding stats, but for the Giants, pretty good stats.
0: <laughs> Considering, all yeah. things considered. Um and I think him too coming off the torn ACL last season, you know. He went out week six, that Baltimore game. He had a 100-yard receiving game against the Ravens. He got hurt. So I'm very funny with Fonz when it comes to talking shit about the Giants because I like to remind him, hey, who beat you last year? That's true. And the same thing with Jaguars fans. I'll say the same thing to Jaguars fans. I'll hold on to that too. But, yeah, so quickly here, Sim, Joe Shane is constantly making moves every single week. Aziz is back, but for how long is the next question? (laughs) Activated off of injured reserve. Um, We got another quarterback as well. (laughs) The Giants signed Jacob Eason to the practice squad. Oh, I missed
1: that. Mm -hmm. From the Colts. Yes. I remember him.
0: And Hassan Hall, running back out of Michigan. So those were the two signings um matt barkley has been signed to the active 53-man roster as qb2 mm-hmm. and there's tommy devito quarterback one yes i'm sure cowboys fans are frightened to go against our practice squad quarterback <laughs> tommy devito hey
1: um, listen there's <laughs> the, only one other quarterback in this league with as italian as his name is that and that was ben dinucci And he played for the Cowboys. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new cowboy. That's not a cowboy. It's a giant out here. (laughs) Just gonna take that crown, put it on his head as the new uh, Italian quarterback of the NFL, (laughs) Tommy DeVito. I guess Um, so. I'm. I'm. I got. You know. You gotta root for him. You gotta go for it. You gotta kind of put your energy into him. Because I feel like, you know, the more he gets hyped up, the better it'll be. So we got to hype up Tommy DeVito.
0: Steve's hysterical. Two plays for Aziz and he'll be out again. That's why he fell to the second round, now that I know. Um,
1: Yeah, we were like, this is a steal. And we were like, now it's like, uh, we get it.
0: Go dogs! by the way. Uh, A lot of appreciation for Georgia football after my adventure uh, almost two weeks ago. Any relation to Tony Eason? No, Dad. He is not related to Tony Eason. But appreciate your comment.
1: No, Dad. Um,
0: (laughs) All right, Dallas. Let's get on to Dallas. Here we'll bring up our guest in just about two minutes. Brian and Tard will be back. But Sam, the Cowboys are five and three. They're favored by fifteen and a half. The last I checked this Mm -hmm. afternoon. Yep. That is the largest line this season for any NFL game. Um. Cowboys beat the Giants 40 nothing in week one. Defense had seven sacks. Cowboys have won five straight meetings. The all-time series, I mean, Dallas owns us so much. I don't know what it is. 74-47-2. And, and, you know, it's like this with moments with the Giants where, all right, you really think good moments against Dallas. All right, the Eli Manning game, you know, the first game in the new stadium where Manning signed the wall after the Giants won. But other than that – and the playoff game in 07, I can't think of too much, at least in my lifetime. Yeah. I really can't.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, I feel like there are times where those games are so close too. so mm-hmm. like you don't think about them being, you know, well, obviously not week one, but I'd, we'll see what happens this weekend. Cold um, <laughs> to Um, But no, yeah, I, I, it sucks because I feel like they just always just come out with that win. Like yep. there's it's not like they're beating us 40 to nothing every time we play them. It happens, but like the, the the rivalry is there and they just come out with that win every single time. Just just comes out in front. So I think that that's what we're thinking of here.
0: And statistically, Dak did carve up the Eagles last week. Now granted, a lot of those yards I believe he came in the second half. He had three touchdown passes. Jake Ferguson looked great over the middle of the field. The Cowboys actually outgained the Eagles, 406 to 292. and still lost. So there, there you go. There's that. But um, it's 7:30, so why don't we just bring him up now? Our guest from the sports box and Blue Truth Brian Atard, welcome back, Brian. It's been two months. You're back. How are you doing?
2: Better than you. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that with as much love as possible. I, I, I mean that wholeheartedly. I, that's, a, that's a fact, though. You no, it is. But, kind you know, of I, listen, I, I think of you guys often because it, takes, it honestly takes a lot of dedication as a fan to continue to bring fresh content the way your team has played this season. So I give you nothing but immense kudos for that. It'd be very easy to be like the football team and just kind of hang it up, and you don't do that, and I think that that deserves recognition.
0: I really appreciate that. Um, You know, knowing that we won't – hopefully we won't suck forever. You know, hopefully this is not a repeat of the 60s and 70s. Yeah. It makes you appreciate these people were here during the bad times. But that's
2: what makes the good times great. That's the thing is in sports is, you know, for the highs to be high, the lows need to be low. And I'm a big believer in that. So sports is cyclical. The Giants will be fine eventually. I just don't know when.
0: Let the good times roll. That's right. <laughs> uh so we're gonna start. Sam, we'll start with you tonight. Um yeah. we got a lot loaded for you, Brian. I think we have some uh, uh, some good topics, so let's get started.
1: Definitely. So Giants Cowboys, our second second meeting this year. Obviously, you guys beat us the week one to nothing, even though we all went into that game with a lot more hope. Than we were anticipating, but uh, one of your, like, you guys seem pretty, I mean, after last week, you guys seem pretty fit. Like you, you're good to go except for your left, your left tackle, Mm -hmm. Tyron Smith. If he can't go. Who is going to be stepping up for him? So,
2: I mean, they've played Tyler Smith there at times, but I think in order to keep the line, you know, really just as intact as possible with guys playing the positions they normally play, it'll probably be Chuma Udoga at that spot, which is not exactly confidence inspiring to put it lightly. Um, It sounds like from what I was able to see today that Tyron will be ready to go. Uh, The injury report was just an an illness. It wasn't like a, a bodily injury or anything like that. So I would anticipate him being available, barring anything you know late that changes. But you know Tyron is is, is going to be thirty three next month, and I don't I don't think he's going to be like the Jason Peters where he plays into his forties because he keeps cashing checks. Um, I I don't foresee that, um, and he has not really been the picture of health. You know the last few years, so it's 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 been hard to count on him. Uh, I still have PTSD of the game they played against Atlanta where he was a late scratch. And that got sacked six times. It was just like there's nothing you could do. You know, players don't get healthier with age. Like, I, I think we're in the eighth inning for Tyron Smith. Sadly enough, because he's been a great cowboy and doesn't have a lot of success to show for it. He's been a phenomenal player for a very long time, but age catches up with everyone. I
0: like that innings reference
2: there. Um I use that it, a lot in my line of work where I say like <laughs> kind of where we are in the process. You know, <laughs> that people understand it.
0: Yeah, and speaking of innings too. What inning are you in with this guy? Um, seven total touchdowns over the last two games. Has Dak impressed you? And I know you're a huge Dak critic, but and I, I promise, Brian, this is not a satirical type of question. Yeah, no, I a, get it. It's a, the way I worded it.
2: I, yes. Sir.
0: Are well, you I, impressed?
2: No. <laughs> so, look, look okay. Any, anybody – can run it up against a bad defense. And he's been the king of that his entire career, right? I think what's even more exacerbated that trend this year is they can't rush in the red zone. So I think that that's led to him having more passing opportunities, which just by the nature of, of numbers has led to more touchdowns. But I think that that's more situational result than anything else. You know, and we talked about this before the week one game. They were going to have issues scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and that's absolutely been the case. So, you know, good good for Dak that they're scoring, but some of that is just they're, like, running it up against the Rams, uh, you know, the, the week before this, or it's because they're not running the ball. You know, this past week, game pissed me off. The, the Eagles' defense is just not good in the back end. I think it got old very quickly. Like, overnight, it felt like these two great corners, now they can't cover anybody the the, tip, the touchdowns dak scored against the eagles were 7 yards or less. So in previous years, that's probably a run. Like it's not like they're, they're they're bombing it for touchdowns. That that hasn't really been, you know, what happened. But, you know, the Eagles game specifically, if you want to give Dak credit or you want to give Dak the blame, whether it's McCarthy or it's him, they cannot get out of their own way when it matters. The touchdown, which wasn't a touchdown to Luke Schoonmacher, I didn't mm-hmm. like that play call. I didn't like throwing it to at very best, your fifth pass catching option in a spot like that. And of course the pass is short with a lot of green space around him. Yep. That, that can't happen. The two point conversion, when you are running out of bounds, that can't happen. The throw to lamb at the end of the game that he had to come out of the end zone to catch. And then couldn't get anywhere back to it because it's obvious, right? That can't happen. When I look back at that game, it was, it was less than the that the Eagles won. It was that the Cowboys lost. And that's what they have done for a very long time. That's on Dak and that's on McCarthy, but it's mostly on Dak. Came up very, very small when it mattered. And I have seen that movie way too many damn times. I text. I've been texting Eagles fans during the game. You know, about ten minutes left. I said, "Look, he's going to have a shot to win this at the end. He's going to remember who he is, and he's going to blow it. And that's exactly what happened. And it is infuriating." So, the the long answer was that. The short answer is no. It's not fantasy football, and that's great that you're doing all this wonderful stuff that doesn't matter. But when it does matter, you look this big, and we can't have it.
1: Yeah, totally. That that throw to. What, it's Schoonmaker. That's how you say. His name? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, somebody. No, I, I went to school with someone has similar no last name. But, it, yeah, it, but how do you, How are you throwing that ball to your
2: second to your second tight end? Yeah, how are you throwing that ball short of the goal line? Like, how are you doing any of those things? And it's just like
1: I don't so, get it. So let me ask you this: You guys did just uh, acquire Martavius Bryant. Do you feel like? well, one, how do you feel like he's going to help out your offense? Two, do you feel like those were things that led up to that happening? Like, why are you adding another, you know, target onto your offense? Sure.
2: I mean, I I think any impact he can have is great. Um, You know, CeeDee Lamb is having a very nice year. He's at 824 yards in eight games. The next best receiver is Michael Gallup at 243. So there's a huge gap there. And they seem to have absolutely no idea how to use Brandon Cooks. Who has 17 catches in seven games for 165 total yards, which is less than Lamb had in the game we just saw? Tolbert, Turpin, they're guys, right? Turpin's better as a as, as a returner. So you know why not take a shot on a guy like Martavis Bryant? You know what what do they have to lose? Um, you know it's not quite the the Trey Lance thing, but he's basically a scratch off ticket. That's kind of what Martavis Bryant is. You know he's on the practice squad. We'll see. We'll see if it goes anywhere, but. I remember – it reminded me of when the Cowboys were on Hard Knocks a number of years ago was when they had brought Pac-Man Jones in. And what Jerry said on Hard Knocks was something to the effect of that he liked the idea that Pac-Man was on his last chance, that he wasn't going to be able to screw up and get another job, so that he felt that the Cowboys would get the best they could possibly get out of Pac-Man Jones. I think for Martavis Bryant, it's, it's probably a lot of that same theme. Like, okay, if it doesn't work here, where are you going to go? Like, how many teams, other than the Cowboys and the Raiders, regularly sign guys like you? I think you're already, you know, in the, with the Raiders. So, like, you're out of chances. This is your last shot after all this time. It's purely a scratch-off. I'm not expecting to see him on the field. I think that it would be a while to, to do that. Like, someone might get hurt. Free insurance, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm not Mark. I'm not Martavis Bryant's not going to do a whole lot, but compared to what else that they have, it's worth a shot. Julio was worth a shot for the Eagles. What it cost you,
1: right?
0: Yeah, and I think to your point, Mark's previous comment as well. You know, this is coming against not to take anything away from Dak, of course, but subpar competition, subpar competition. you can't deny that, which kind of leads me to my next question. Remember on week one, you made a prediction. I who would have the most touchdown receptions for Dallas this season? And your answer was Jake Ferguson. Well, we're in week 10. Mm-hmm. And guess who is tied for the team leading touchdown receptions? C.D. Lamb. <laughs> and Jake Ferguson. <laughs> Jake
2: Ferguson, yes. Um, Thoughts
0: on Jake Ferguson after the departure of Dalton Schultz?
2: Yeah, I, I, I liked him coming in, but it wasn't, and I, if you remember, it wasn't really so much that I thought that, like, he was a great player, even though I think he's done a really nice job of rising to the occasion. But somebody had to be Dalton Schultz, right? Somebody had to play the role that Schultz played in that offense, and I really didn't think that they were just going to write that out of script, that they were going to just not have the, the tight end be – a solid usable option. Again, I think Dak's better at short and intermediate than he is at long. I think you can, you know, just the way that that is. So I I felt that they needed a guy to be that guy. And Ferguson has been that guy. I've been really happy with what I've seen from him. And that's the kind of guy that can do that for a number of years. You know, if you remember Jason Witten was never like the fastest guy or the most athletic guy, but he just found himself open every play. And it's just, then then nobody covers a tight end was something uh, somebody I caught along a friend of mine who unfortunately passed away young his one thing he always used to say was nobody covers a tight end and and I think that that's still true despite the fact that the proliferation of the tight end has really gone places since he's open a lot and for Dak Prescott sometimes you got to be really open for him to make a play so, <laughs> uh you know good good for him I, I've been happy with what I've seen from him I actually have him in a couple survive a couple of fancy leagues as a keeper I feel pretty good about that too
1: yeah no he's been doing great yeah Um, On the other side of the ball, defensive-wise, Damon Clark has been one of your team-leading tacklers. What do you think is the best and your favorite quality coming out of him as a player?
2: He's been a super nice find for them. He was a fifth rounder out of LSU in the 22 draft. Um, You know, he actually leads the team in tackles. He had 47 in 10 games a year ago. He's already got 56 and eight this year. So you're seeing some, some improvement there. I think it's always important to find production on day three. And I think Clark's obviously an example of that. He's probably never going to put up like Parsons numbers as far as tackles for loss, but He's been a really, really important piece in the middle of that defense. You know, he brings good speed. He's always around the ball, as the tackle numbers would indicate. But because of that speed, he's if he's causing some disruption, it can at times draw coverage away from Parsons, just from that snap reaction, and open it up a little bit. So he's been, he's been a really good find for them. Um, and and it, it does, because he can cover decently well, it does allow them to rush more guys and still be okay across the middle. So he, it, he's really been a nice... You know, again, for all of their issues, they've drafted well the last number of years. You really can't take that away from them.
0: I've now realized Mark is an Eagles fan in
2: hard, the comment section. God bless yeah. him. He's a good guy. He he is as of course, yeah. He is as devout an Eagles fan as I know. Um, we can go back and forth over how good his quarterback is or isn't. He'll disagree with my take, and that's fine. Um but that's good for him. He was, he was at the game. I'm sure he enjoyed it. He had a WWE championship with the Eagles logo on it. So nice. I can respect that as a wrestling guy. Um, but you know, his team won, so he can enjoy it.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you guys still have a shot, I think, at this division, even though it may seem a little far-fetched right now. I mean, looking at the Eagles' schedule, it is not easy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not sold on their defense this this year. I mean, there's still a good chance they win it. But, sure. I mean, history tells us that they should not win it um but next question is about micah parsons brian against the giants offensive line i mean you got a revolving door at pretty much every spot on the line but this is the healthiest the giants line has been since week one no evan neal evan neal can block trash cans or hamburgers for all that we care i i call that one better on the first person it's okay yeah it's it's totally okay yeah yeah, what makes him near impossible to contain? Because if you remember after week one, yeah. he went on his podcast and had a lot of high praise for a few Giants players, including Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Now going up against Tommy DeVito, <laughs> I think that challenge just got a bit easier for him. It
2: It, it is a strength versus a weakness, right? You know, Parsons mm-hmm. had a sack, had some good pressure in that game. He may have had more, honestly, if it didn't get out of hand. Um, you know, he's he's such a dynamic player, and he reads the play really, really well. Like, when you match – that physical speed with that quick reaction, that mental speed, knowing where to go and how to get around the blocking scheme, that's very much a unicorn player. As much of a total package as we've seen at that position, likely since Lawrence Taylor. And he makes everyone else around him that much more dangerous. You know, We just talked about Clark. When you're as an offensive coordinator, you have to game plan for Micah Parsons, and he still burns you anyway. And he's opening up lanes for other pass rushers. Like you get that butterfly effect on your defense. Like everybody just gets better because of his speed and how quickly he can read, you know, your pass rush, your your secondary looks better when the quarterback has to make a bad throw because he's getting pressured. Like every, that domino in, in football more than anything. And you really, you really can have that impact from just one player. So, I mean, I, I love everything he can bring to the table. And how can you not? I mean, there's nothing he doesn't do well. Um, and and you know I'm listen. We did our sports box draft show. He was not who I wanted. I was under the impression they were going to end up getting Sertan, um, or the name's escaping me right now. He went to the he was uh, the other uh, cornerback. Either KC way, JC Horn. There it is. Yes, I thought they were getting a corner for sure. And when they both went, I'm like, well, what the hell now? So I was surprised, very very happy, and happily wrong. So um, <laughs> he's just such a. I mean, he's going to make a lot of money too. That's <laughs> that's the other thing. Oh, that's
1: yeah, going fun. that's going to be definitely. Fun to So, you know, obviously you guys just went up against the Eagles. It was a rough game. Could have been won. You know, we did should just go over that. Yes. Um, should have been won. Gotcha. Um, but nonetheless, you guys are still in this mix. You know, you could win – the NFC East, um, very, you know, you guys are definitely going to the playoffs. But what do you think needs to improve? What do you need to do better as a team to make sure that in these second half of the season, you guys make sure that you win the division?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, you know, just when you talk about the schedule, and, and Tom, you you alluded to it. You know, after that loss in Philly for the Cowboys, it's really not going to be. Easy. They did themselves no favors losing that game. Yeah. So the remainder of their schedule is they're obviously they have the Giants this week. They go to Carolina. They host Washington. Host Seattle host the Eagles. So three home games in a row, they go to Buffalo, to Miami. They end up hosting Detroit and then at Washington. So realistically, let's say they lose to Buffalo and Miami. I think that's fine. I'm not upset about that. And you win the rest. That's 12 and five. So if the Eagles are eight and one, you know, with all due respect to the two of you, you know, I love you, but they got three wins (laughs) at the end of the year, for sure. You got two against the giants and one against Arizona. Like I just don't think the Eagles lose those games. Right. So you know, you mentioned it, Tom, they're hitting their their hard stretch here where you're at Kansas City next after the bye week. You got Buffalo and the Niners at home. You go to Dallas, you go to Seattle. The Eagles need to lose three of those five, with one being the Cowboys game, to get to that same 12-win area. Yep. Mm-hmm. Stretch is tough, but I think what helps the Eagles is you do get Buffalo and San Fran in your building. I don't think you lose both. If you lose one, you don't lose both.
0: Thank you beat the Bills.
2: Yeah. Um there's a path for the Cowboys, but it's narrow. But as far as what the Cowboys can control, they really need to figure this out offensively because you need a secondary pass-catching option not named Jake Ferguson. And there's too much talent between Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks to have that minute of production, right? Mike McCarthy, among other things, which includes their red zone rushing, they need to figure it out quickly. If, If they end up with a playoff blunder again, I really don't think he's brought back. And now is that me trying to will my desired outcome into reality? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But still, they can't flame out the way they did last year, and he keeps his job. One thing I will say, though, the way that the NFL playoff format is, right, let's just for all intents and purposes say somehow Seattle wins the West and who cares who wins the South, right? The five and the six would be the Cowboys and the Niners, who are arguably, if you think the Eagles are the best team, two and three. So from an Eagles standpoint – you know, last year it's it's all the Giants' fault, by the way, because if the Giants had not beaten the Vikings, the Cowboys get the Eagles and probably beat them. So I do hold you responsible for that. But thank you. You're, <laughs> but what I mean by that is, like, if, if things go well, you would assume that whether it's the it's the Cowboys or the Niners, they're going to beat the team in the South. That's probably going to happen. So even if even if the Niners in the division, Seattle's the five, and the Niners win, they, they're, they're pretty much looking at the Cowboys in the playoffs. Now you can say, oh, we're the Eagles' fans. We're going to beat the Cowboys okay, it's not a game you really want. You just saw them play each other on your home field, and you were pretty healthy, and they should have they should have lost. They won. That's great. But that was more the other team being the other team than you being <laughs> yourself. So it's just – like I wouldn't feel like super, super confident if I'm an Eagles fan that Dallas is coming in to play that divisional round. Like it's not like the old days where – you know, you have some ass team come in like the the, the four divisions with every team getting the home game. I yeah. think actually hurts the one more than people realize, because you always get that hungry second place team as opposed to, which is usually better than a team that won a week division.
0: Off script quick. Yeah. Are you worried about the Lions at all, at all, like in, in the slightest?
2: Uh, no. No, I, I, I like what, look, I like what Dan Campbell's done a ton. Like, I think that they're just ahead of themselves right now. Like I don't, the defense is okay. There's pieces I really, really like. I think they can be passed on. Um, I mean, Hutchinson's just an absolute monster. I mean, I don't know how he didn't go number one. Neither, it is what it is for Jacksonville. Uh, until they, you know, is that same old Lions type thing? Like if you see a playoff game and the Cleveland Browns are coming in, you're like, oh, it's the Cleveland Browns. Like, like, I don't know how much that's true, but I, until they I, – I would love to know – I I can totally see them getting bumped off early, depending who they play, with that happy-to-be-there mentality. Like, that's the first playoff game in Detroit in, like, right. any yeah. of our lifetimes. Right. Lifetime. They yeah. made it
0: in 16, I want to say. That a was a road card. game. Yeah, it, wasn't it was in Detroit a road,
2: road. I, I don't know if they, when the last time they hosted a, a, a game in Detroit, but, yeah. I, I mean, I think there might have been a world war going on at the time. I don't think <laughs> so well.
0: Right now, Minnesota is the seventh seed, so they would get them at home. So that would be a fun matchup to watch. Wow. Um, I
2: mean, the Josh Dobbs story. how they probably make a Netflix uh, series about that? If I love Josh, Josh Dobbs. Um, was a story.
0: Um, now we're going to get into a little debate here, I think. So Giants have eight games left. They do. And Stan. obviously, I want your opinion as, as well here. Should the Giants tank, Brian? I think I know the answer, and why should they
2: tank? So let's just look at it as objectively as possible. At this point, starting quarterbacks down for the year, there is realistically no hope of anything. So every single loss that you endure at this point does nothing but help the Giants. You can look at this in two ways. One— Daniel Jones has regressed and the team is going to bite the financial bullet and find a way out of that deal as soon as they can. And they're going to either draft Caleb Williams or Drake May. Now you have a quarterback for the next conceivably 10 to 15 years if it hits. Or, number two, the team wants to give Jones another year, another shot next year. He's under contract. He's getting paid a lot of money. Then they can trade that pick down to somebody else who needs a quarterback. And the same way they did with the Bears and Justin Fields. And they can bring in multiple pieces to help the future of the team. In any event, no matter how you slice it, winning games the rest of the way is nothing but a detriment to future years of the New York Giants. Like, Do you really care to see the development of Tommy DeVito? Probably not. To be really clear, and I'm not a Daniel Jones guy. I like Dable a lot. I like Joe Shane a lot. Daniel Jones was not their pick. He wasn't someone that they were responsible for bringing in. So you always get that GM and coaches want to go up or down with, the, with their guys. And he was not their guy. I'd be really curious to see if they use this injury as an excuse or a scapegoat to look elsewhere. And I do understand that, you know, Joe did sign him, but I think that that was him between a rock and a hard place. Like, I don't think they had a contingency plan. So after what was, at least at face value, a good year last year, you kind of can't sell it to a fan base that, well, we're going to move on because he wasn't our guy, right? Like, that that doesn't play well, especially not in New York. It was a very generous deal, in my opinion. If you look at how it's structured, I think he's certainly a New York Giant next season with no question. But after that, I think it's extremely plausible that he can go. They'd only be looking at 22 million dead in 25 and 11 dead in 26 if they move on. That is not cost prohibitive in in this NFL. So whether that's them picking a quarterback high this year or moving a high pick for multiples and giving it to another team and they take the quarterback, there is zero downside. To losing every single game the rest of the way, that is the most productive possible outcome. Is to get as high a pick as you can get, whether you use it or whether you trade it. And I'll tell you one more: if this Jones injury happened a week before, I would be really surprised if Saquon wasn't traded. Timing on that one, I think worked worked against them. But I, I, look, they're they're two and seven, right? I mean, are you are you going to hope that you're going to catch lightning in a bottle and find a way to make the playoffs at eight and nine and get bounced anyway. Like think about what the future can hold and, you know, write this one off. It's okay. I mean, that's teams have done it before and they'll do it again, but I would do it effectively. Not like the New York jets who were doing it and then won a game and cost themselves Trevor Lawrence.
0: Here's my rebuttal to that. Mm -hmm. I agree with you and I disagree with you. I think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I do. I do. Um, I'd take him over half the league. I still would. Um, They had to pay him because of what he did last season um, based off face value, like you said. However, I'm going to bring up an example. 2019, it was the Chase Young ball. It was the Giants against formerly known Redskins, right? Touchdown to Caden Smith. Daniel Jones' fifth touchdown pass of the game, by the way, gets the Giants' Andrew Thomas. They go back to four, and then Washington gets Chase Young. Chase Young is not a Washington anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Andrew Thomas, she got a five-year, $117 million deal. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to play to win every game. As I'm sure you agree with that too, but you probably would say Tommy DeVito, Matt Barkley, just straight out start. Don't even try to upgrade from them. And I'm okay with that. But here's here's my thing. I don't want Caleb Williams. That's the one quarterback I do not want this team to go near. Um I don't think he's a good dude. Number one. And I don't like as a Notre Dame fan, I don't like what he did last season. That's fair. Um, Joe Shane and Brian Dable also have to consider this. If they're two and 15, they could be out the door because the, the last two head coach, no last three head coaches have been fired after two seasons. And right now they're in year two. Should they No, Cause Dable won a playoff game last year, but with the track record, Head coach has been fired after two seasons. So if we go two and 15, there's nothing to say Brian Dable's back next year. If they go two and 15, there's nothing to say any of these guys are back next year. A lot of these guys can just walk. And I I think the thing is you want to keep the team together because I think if you go two and 15, yeah, sure, you may get your franchise quarterback, but now everything else is gone like everything else, and that's pieces potentially that they brought in, like a Darren Waller. I'm not saying guys that are due up for contracts. Like, sure, let Dory Jackson walk. Don't bring him back, right? Let Ben Bredesen walk. Cut Mark Lewinsky. Move on from Darius Slayton short. But at the end of the day, I don't think it makes a difference if we're picking two or five, let's say, because of what the Giants did with Leonard Williams. They could always trade up if they want their quarterback as well. So that's where I kind of disagree a quick, little bit.
2: Quick rebuttal to that. Washington took Chase Young, and that was the wrong pick because Washington didn't have a quarterback. Washington should have taken either Justin Herbert or Tuatago Vailoa, and they did, right? And I said that at the time, is if you don't have a quarterback, you need to get one. <laughs> so like, And they haven't had one in forever. Maybe Sam Howell, I, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 would say it, I would say this. If they had ended up taking Justin Herbert, you'd be pretty upset about it. You do have to make the best use of the pick. But what I'm saying is from the Giants' standpoint, even if, you, even if you believe that you want to give Daniel Jones more time, perfectly fine. You can still move. The two pick in this draft is going to be Drake May. And the question becomes, what's that worth? And if you can turn that one into two ones, two ones and a two, Three ones, depending on the and you've seen teams pay up. Like that is foundational. And if all it costs you are losses that frankly don't matter, I hear what you're saying, but I would venture to say, and again, this it's one of those things where it's like the unspoken stuff. Like what you saw in Miami, that was just somebody <laughs> opened their mouth, right? Like that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. I'm not saying that like they're gonna go out there and like, you know throw interceptions and throw games. But no, they're going to play Tommy DeVito, a quarterback, and that's probably not going to win you too many games. And that's fine, right? Like, they're not going to go out there and try to upgrade their roster and make the best of it. Like, you do it without saying you're going to do it. Remember, the Giants were very pissed that the Eagles decided to throw away a second half half against Washington in that game because I think it cost the Giants a playoff spotter, so I forget the exact implications of it. But it it gave the Eagles a higher pick. I, I would do the same thing. Like what? Winning this means nothing to me. Whereas that little bit of an impact could have a decade's worth of fruit to bear. And that's where I think sometimes, you know, we can romanticize about sports. Oh, go out and give it your best and everything else. I, I get that. But the reality is it is a business. So I would say if that's the direction the Giants went, ownership was already on board. And they knew. Because, again, if the Giants end up with six wins this year, is it really that different than two or three? In the I don't know that it is especially given the fact that your quarterback's not playing like it's not like you're not losing anymore with your your quarterback there like now nobody expects you to win anyway so it's not like you're not meeting expectations it's it's, it's different I see your point though people always say oh well you know the the winning mentality does that in a third I don't know. I think sometimes that gets overblown by, you know, we, we romanticize it, right? Like, oh, it's building a culture. I'm like, give me some talent and then we'll build a culture with, you know, like that's kind of I mine. just don't want to lose. No, yeah. I mean, look, the Rangers went through it. I mean, the Rangers got two top yeah. two picks. You can say whether it worked out or not, but whatever. They, they got lucky. <laughs> they, they, ping pong bit. balls sometimes are the best general managers. That's fine. But they got the most value out of those seasons. I mean, I would sit here and people will say, I'm had six heads. You know what? It's perfectly fine. The Chicago Bears had a more productive season last year than the Eagles did because the Eagles won nothing, and the Bears got the first pick in the draft and turned it into more. So the Eagles have magic beans. They got nothing for all of that, nothing. You lose. Nobody cares. Ask the Buffalo Bills. Nobody cares you with in second place. The Bears got stuff they can use to help the future. That's just my overall view on sports. If you're not going to win, lose because
1: losing has value. That's just my take. Sam, so
0: anyway. I, yeah, let's get
1: your uh, – I've been intently listening. This is very interesting. And I honestly – I understand both of your points. Like I heard both sides very clearly. And I really am not sure – like I feel like almost like every situation is different and that, you know, it depends on mm-hmm. what you need and, you know, what we're trying to accomplish and then what we already have and I feel like I would rather have a lot of draft picks with where we're at right now. Like I would rather have, like, I don't think we need to, well, I mean, we need a quarterback, but like, I don't really want, I don't want Caleb Williams. Like um, Tom said, not for the same reason. I just, I think that he's kind of fallen off this past year. Drake may, maybe, but like, you know, some of these guys just, Fall off the wagon you know like these first round picks sometimes are nothing and I mean sometimes they're everything but like you know you get like a Joe Burrow or whatever but you know I would gamble these lower draft picks to have more of them to build up what we need because we need so much and in terms of tanking though I think it's just more like as a fan you don't want to watch them lose because it sucks but also at the end of the day you're right, Brian. Like, it is, it's helpful to lose in this case. Um, but also, I understand Tom's point with like, if we pick second or if we pick seventh, what, what, like, depending on what we're going for, maybe there isn't a difference. I don't know. It's, it's a very tough situation. I, I, I don't, I can't imagine Shane and Dable are going to try and tank just because of their jobs being in jeopardy if that does happen. But, It'll be interesting, I guess, to see what actually ends up happening and seeing what draft pick we get, what we do with it, if we trade down, if we keep it, if we draft a quarterback or what have you. It's, um, there's so many different possibilities that it's like you can't even predict what you think is going to happen, especially with this team right now, because it's just all over the place. And, and they may love the guy that's
2: going to go seven and they're picking second. Cool. Trade down. What is right. value? You'll get it in a in a quarterback draft. You'll get it. The team that really got screwed by that was the Jags when they took Trayvon Walker number one because they were in a perfect spot to trade down. They had just taken Lawrence the year before, right? So that was like the perfect storm. And then nobody wanted a quarterback. They're like, ah, great, let's take this guy, which ended up being probably the wrong pick. But look, I mean, again, look, the Giants made that trade with the Bears. Now, did it work out? No, because then the guy they picked ended up busting but from a from a pure value standpoint they ended up with two ones out of it so like it's hard to like look back and say oh they shouldn't have done that but even you go back to the years where you go back to the year where Goff and Wentz went one-two big deals to move down and those teams really got a lot of long-term help from that I mean I I was making this case before when when the Cardinals were terrible and it looked like Houston wasn't (laughs) going to be very good as a preseason that they were going to put the one and the two pick. And I made the case they should trade both of them down. Give Kyler another year, end up with two, turn two ones into six, seven ones and just build your roster. It was like, no, you can't not take a quarterback. Kyler sinks. I'm like, Kyler was also a number one pick in the draft. He's also under contract for a a while. It'd be really costly to get out of it. Why don't you just see what happens and try to build around. And I can see the case where you would say, Tom, if I I told you, I I feel as though if I told you that they weren't going to take a quarterback, that they would trade down and keep Jones, you'd be more on board.
0: Because I think you'd want to see... Correct, yeah. because I think Jones could still start next season and groom is... Look what Patrick Mahomes did in t- 2017. Sure. Um,
2: I think... I mean, think, now if you're asking, that's a hard comparison to make.
0: That is a hard comparison to make. Um, to it fair. shouldn't even be a comparison, but... It's the story more than... Jones one. could be the Alex Smith, potentially, sure. is what we're saying, right?
2: I don't think there's any way financially they can get rid of them next season, but I think no. after that, it opens up. So... What I would say if I were if if it were me, let's just say it was me, and I got the one of the two, I'm absolutely trading down. No question about it. And I'm giving I'm trying to get picks into next year. So give me your one this year, your one next year, whatever. You're your one this year and your one and two next year. Because then when next year comes around, if I stink again, yeah, I need to be able to move around the draft to get the guy I want. Because at that point, if I want to get out of Daniel Jones, I can. And it's not gonna kill me. Next year. It would cost them more to have him leave, so it doesn't make sense. But after that, you leave yourself options. To the Eagles' credit, and they don't want the pick; their fans don't want to talk about this. But when they made the trade to get the pick that ended up being Jalen Carter, yeah. of course, they had two ones that year. That was not by accident. That was because they didn't know if Jalen Hurts was going to be a quarterback, okay. and they need to give themselves options in that draft to move up or down how they felt the need to do. They had to have ammo. Right. The ammo was to move and go, possibly go trade up for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever. They don't talk about that. It's also reality. It worked out great for them, all things considered. Great. But that was part of their thought process. So, again, if I'm the Giants, if I can get myself, if I can find my way into two or three ones in the 2025 draft by trading down in the 24 draft, I think I'm in a much better position to give myself the flexibility that if I need to, you know, empty the clip and go up to high to get the guy that I want because I'm going to move on from Danny Dimes, I'm in position to do that.
0: Right. Um I do think to wrap this up here and we'll move on to our uh, quick keys and players. Yeah. Caleb may not even come
2: out this year. I think sure. he should, but there's a chance he could go back. Right. What, if the giants are number one and they've indicated interest, he'll come out. He doesn't want to go to Arizona. Yeah. Who, who wants to go to Arizona? that's 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 a player using as much leverage as they can to decide where they're going to go if they don't like the team at the top you know for you hockey fans it's it's eric lindros
0: mara's not taking caleb i'll just tell you that right now from a from a fan perspective i'm not saying i don't want him for that specific reason that mara doesn't want him but i'm just saying he's not like they're better off with a penix or a may or even a McCarthy if you trade down later on in the first round. Um, that's just my opinion on, on that. But I would even avoid McCarthy right now with what's going on at the University or of
1: Michigan. Hartman? Michigan. Hartman?
0: Hartman would be probably day three. Um, as much as I love Sam Hartman, he, uh, he has fallen off a little bit last couple of games.
1: But he, but he has great hair. And he does have great hair. We've seen it with Trevor Lawrence and with Justin Herber. Great That's hair gets replaced.
0: A hundred percent. I'm not hey, I would love Sam Hartman. Um, but we'll see. Who knows? He could he could be like a Rich Man's Brock Purdy. You never know. Um but next up here, Sam will start with you here on, on this one. Uh quick key, uh two keys to the game here.
1: Two keys. Um, One, I think protect Tommy DeVito from the Cowboys defense. It's incredibly terrifying, and I'm very nervous going into this game. Um, And on the other side of things, Tommy DeVito, you know, utilize your offense. Connect with your receivers. They're there. And, yes, it's going to be difficult. It's, you know, it's a a tough team to be going up against. But just, you know, don't be a hero. Don't be making big plays. Don't be going crazy. You know, get – 7 yards, 10 yards, 15 yards. You know, we don't have to be throwing bombs or anything. But if we're going to at least stay afloat in this game, like genuinely I don't think that we're going to win here, just do what you got to do. Make it, make it happen. You know, you are now the guy for, you know, the foreseeable future. Utilize your time. Connect with your receivers. Make some good plays. We've seen him do a few things here and there. We saw him have that rushing touchdown. You know. And and then um yeah, they I guess the other ones just protect him and make sure he doesn't die. <laughs>
0: it's so right. It's so right.
1: It's so right. <laughs> That's it. This is, just don't let Tommy DeVito die. This is
0: sad, Ryan. I mean I mean, there's literally the same keys to the game every single game of the season. I mean
2: it it, it it is a sixteen and a half point spread, right? I mean we're not we're all in the same I mean it's so up to
0: sixteen and a half now. But
2: having said that, the Cowboys went into Arizona and lost in week three, right? So and
0: we beat the Cardinals.
2: Yeah. So what do you, what do you, you, know, what do you know? But, no, I mean, listen, I, I think when you have a kid like this who's just kind of getting his feet wet in the NFL, if you bring pressure, it's going to lead to bad decisions. Like, he, he's not sharp enough to make that quick read and get the – I mean, put pressure in, right? And, at the, and again, I, I've been coming on your show for a very long time, and I love it. I always appreciate the opportunity. But it always feels like it's a theme. Make their quarterback beat you. Don't let their running back beat you. And it's like that's kind of a lot of the same. It's the same, right? Like Tommy Vita can just go like this and give the ball to Saquon over and over and over again, and it will probably result in positive yardage, and it will probably be okay because he's that good. Yeah. Just don't, like, don't allow him to do that. Like make their quarterback beat you. You know, keep eight in the box, and let's see if the kid can find one of the receivers open against, you know, three secondary. See yeah. what happens. Yeah. Make him beat you. He probably won't be able to because it's not his fault. This is, what, third pro game? Like, what do you – you can't expect. You know, Cowboys don't have a slouch defense, so.
0: Far from it. Anything right. key for you, Brian, as far as Dallas perspective? I mean,
2: if, if they could find someone to throw the ball to, not name Lamb, like, I'd just be it's just such a happy camper because, like, I just don't think it's going to work long term. Like, yeah. I think you need to have su- – if the defense knows you're not going to throw to these guys, they're just going to double up a lamb, and then where's your offense going to come from? Like, you need to have that. You you can't just start doing that in the playoffs. Yeah. like You got to do that now. You got to build that up now. And People need to – teams are going to look at tape on you. They need to respect your ability to throw to somebody else now. But I think they did that kind of stupidly and asked backwards against the Eagles because it was Jalen Tolbert and Luke Schoonmaker, like, no, it could just be Brandon Cooks. It could just be Michael Gallup. Like you don't have to overthink this. They need to be legitimate threats. So.
0: Appreciate you too, though. Um, yeah. You know what? You bring up a great point. Um, yeah. Outside of CD lamb who has torched us in the past, I've got to say, I mean, lamb over the last several games, has been phenomenal. Three straight hundred yard yeah. games. But who is the other guy? Is it Jake Ferguson? It really should be Michael Gallup or Brandon Cooks. So that's really who it should be, but it's not. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, for me, quickly here, two keys. get off the field on third down. Cowboys were six for 13 on third down in week one. Uh, shorten the game if the Giants have any maybe close to a one and a half percent chance of winning this game. Keep Dallas's offense off the field, shorten the game. Bootleg. First play of the game, go deep. I hope Devito throws it sixty yards down the field and <laughs> sets the tone of the game. I'm dead serious too. If he finds a bullet into Jalen Hyatt's t- uh, chest, then they go. They score a touchdown. It's a ball game, right? Mm-hmm. That's the Giants' best chance of winning. Go yeah. deep, first play of the game, and hit it.
2: I think. I think the Giants. I think that if the Giants win the toss, they should keep the ball. Like I think they should actually go to try to get a lead. Like try to try to. You know, make the Cowboys think it's not. The Cowboys need to not take this team lightly. At the end, of the day, it's still a division rival, right? Right. So they know you better well, than anybody. They know your their weaknesses. They know your strengths. They know your tendencies. You know whether they're at full strength or not. If they go out there and get and get that get that lead again, how many games last year did the Giants win that we agree they really shouldn't have won, but they went out there they got a lead and they held it against teams that arguably were better than them. Jacksonville,
0: so, Green Bay, Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Tennessee but, cost me money. I expect the coffee next time I see you.
0: Here's my point.
2: It's <laughs> a good coffee too, not that yes crap.
0: No, Duncan Brian.
2: I prefer. You can have that.
0: Uh, all right. Um, we were plus eight thirty against the Bills, and it came down to one yard. It's a great uh, point. It's I'm not going to reveal who this was. I know someone close to me who put down a one hundred dollar bet on the Giants to win eight thirty, and it came down to one yard.
2: Well, yeah, he should have cashed plan. that.
0: That was almost a $830 night for that
2: person. You should have cashed that for $500 halfway through the game immediately.
0: Yeah. But um, I'll say one other thing, too. Protect DeVito, and here's why. I'm going to be a little more specific into it. The Raiders last week ranked near the bottom of the league in sacks. How many of those sacks were DeVito's fault? I don't know. But the Cowboys had seven sacks in week one off of Daniel Jones. They have one of the highest pressure rates in the NFL. Giants one of the highest pressure rates allowed. Um, if you get DeVito on the run, you know, throw it on a bun, right? Roll out, get him moving. Don't have him standing still in the pocket. He's not a big guy. He's six foot two. For a quarterback, that's a little bit undersized. You want to get him on the run, throwing balls down the field like he did at Syracuse and Illinois. He can move. So that's how I feel about that. Quickly here, um, players to watch for each team. Uh, Brian, I don't know if there's anyone to watch for the Giants. Maybe outside of Dexter Lawrence, but
2: listen, I've mean, I, 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 yeah, I've I've called, I've I, I've been proven horribly wrong on my thought that Evan Neal was going to be a player. But the good news for the Giants is they had two picks that year, and Kayvon looks like he's going to be a player. So the good news is, 500 batting average is better than swinging and missing on both. So at least you got that. And they can build around him. Like I think he can be a, he can be a foundational defensive piece for a long time. Like I think that that's at least a plus. I, I, he's a guy that they need to be focusing on defensively.
0: Did you hear about the Carl Banks thing with the? I did. Yeah. I did. Okay. Yeah, I and he just had three
2: that's... sacks.
0: He had three sacks the next game.
2: <laughs> I, I I know he just quit too. Um, yeah. That was like I thought you thought you were referring to that actually to No, right.
0: so he still calls games for WFAN with Bob Papa. He just quit from his spot with uh, BT and Sal.
2: So. Well, so I don't listen to a lot of WFAN because they don't really care about hockey outside of Boomer. Um, but the this, when you you're on Twitter, you always catch like snippets and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Alacata sounds like a complete moron, like an elite level moron. That is like a hot take artist just to get someone to pay attention to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think that's dumb. I don't think it works. And I think you whatever credibility you had, you no longer have. Whatever little bit that was there is gone. In my opinion.
0: Sam, who do you got here for players to watch?
1: Um, players to watch on Dallas's side. I'm definitely going Micah Parsons there. Um, he's gonna be making Tommy DeVito's night. Incredibly difficult. Um, And on the Giants side, I'm just going to go with the vet here, somebody to lead this offense. It's going to be Saquon. You know, do what you got to do. Like Brian said, just keep handing the ball off to him. Try and get some yards. You know, do what you got to do. Reduce turnovers, hopefully. Um, So, yeah, I think those are two guys that I think are going to be pretty, pretty important.
0: Yeah, I think Parsons is important. Lamb is important. Pollard as well. Um, he did well against the Giants in week one. But for me, I'm going with Deron Bland. He stepped up big time for Trayvon Diggs this season, yeah. the four interceptions. Three of them returned for touchdowns, by the way, and 10 passes defended. All of those categories lead the team. Um, Is he press man guy, Brian? I, he's
2: I keep been, forgetting. You know, he's been so important. And honestly, I, I they've drafted well. I give them credit. Yeah. But Dan Quinn has just been an awesome – Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I mean, like I – they got to keep him some way, like they can't Great. let him go. And I think that hopefully they'll—I don't care what they pay him—and ain't my money. Um, keep him as long as like that. He—he's made such a massive impact on this defense. I mean, how many years do you remember? Like, I mean, the Cowboys defense is being a joke. Can't he can't stop anybody deep. Like they—they're hard to play against for a guy like Deron Bland to come out of. I mean, they, to the, for them to lose their top corner and not miss a beat, I mean that tells you a lot about their coaching. So like I, Bland's been very good as well. I mean, the Eagles didn't really throw a lot on them. I mean, they have excellent receivers, but that wasn't like a clinic through the air by any means, not that they quarterbacks that good at throwing anyway. Um, but still, I, I, I love what I've, I've seen from him and they, they can play anything. And the, the one weakness, I think if, if, if they, the Giants can go after somebody, it's Jordan Lewis, because he was really uh, beat up by the Eagles finding him on the field and throwing at the guy in front of him a lot. Um, so maybe that third receiver, which I know the Giants depth threat at receiver is not as, as great as it should be. Um, but the third guy might be open.
0: Yeah, and just picturing what Dan Quinn could have done with guys like Orlando Scandrick, Bobby Carpenter, etc. Sure. Um, Giants quick here. I like Thibodeau. Yeah, like you said, going against Terrence Steele, three sacks in the Jets game. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, first of pressure rate among defensive tackles in a passing league where quarterbacks like to get the ball out quick. In my opinion, the most important position on the defense is that nose tackle. Uh, You want to get pressure. The Giants' defense, as crazy as this sounds, they have not allowed more than 210 passing yards in five of their last six games. The defense has done their job. Um, And then I'm going to go defense here again. I'm going Micah McFadden. I love Micah McFadden next to Bobby O'Karake, but here's why I'm going with Micah. He has a difficult assignment against Jake Ferguson. You know Bobby O is going to be on that running back, Tony Pollard. But in pass coverage, McFadden against Ferguson, that's a matchup that I'm interested in watching along with Dexter Lawrence against Zach Martin. Those two matchups are really critical for me in this game. And I know the Giants likely won't win, but as long as, you know, we see improvement, development, guys who can be on this team next year for the future, I could live with it. I, I could live with it,
2: you know? But, but that's, that's the tanking argument is play well and lose – and you get the best of both worlds when you're in a, in a Walter, I still I don't want, I don't want to lose. I know we're going to lose though. No, but you're, you, but know? you're, you're approaching this with a sense of poison rationality. Sure. So that's my point, right? Like, it's okay. Like whatever, like I'll put it to you this way. So I was a very strong advocate of the Rangers losing games, the years where they were in their rebuild. And as soon as the ping pong ball came up Rangers, I didn't remember a single loss. I didn't care. So what I would say to you is if the Giants finish 3-14 and 14, and they have the second pick in the draft, I can assure you you're not going to care about any single loss when you start thinking about what we can do with that pick. Who, who might we take? Who could we trade it to? Who could we bend over a barrel and just get a ton of picks from because they want Drake May? Like That's going to be where your mindset goes. And it's amazing how quickly that can change. You're, you're not going to remember – the loss of the Dolphins, you're not going to care. You're not going to care because your mind's going to be on what's moving forward. And when exactly. you have that valuable piece, <clears throat> one team wins. Tom, one team gets the trophy at the end. Everybody Again, else loses.
0: But, but when you Dable, lose and
2: get the value for it, you're like,
0: if Dable and Shane are still there, three and fourteen might not. The problem we don't know if they'll be there at three and fourteen. That, if that, I told you they would problem. be for
2: sure, would you do it?
0: Then we might have a conversation,
2: Brian. Okay, it's fair. Maybe
0: we all might right. have a real like
2: By the time we're done this thing, I'll, I'll win you over.
0: <laughs> score prediction, 31-10. I mean, we all know Dallas is winning, right? So let's just give score predictions here quick. Uh, Brian, please don't torch us too much.
2: No, listen. The Giants are going to score in this game. It won't be like week one. And, uh, to be fair, week one, I did not call a blowout. I said it would be something along like a yeah. 10-point win. No, um, the, the, problem, the problem for you is that the Cowboys like to pour it on Against teams that they can pour it on against and then do nothing against teams that can defend. That's just the right. cowboy way, right? So to me it's probably like a 21-10 at the half, and then the Cowboys probably run away with it and it's like a you know 38-17 final. Something like something, something like that, where it's like it's not out of hand at the half, but then they just, you know,
0: take over. That's somehow. generous. <laughs> it, is ab- it
2: is above it is above Gi- the Giants' average of scoring
0: points. I was about to, say, yeah, that is... to be
2: fair, I was I was so I feel. Bad. I mean, like they haven't. So they haven't scored more than sixteen points just once
0: since week two. It was
2: yeah. Week two. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah. Sam, what do you got?
1: Um, I'm gonna go thirty-six to fourteen. I'm thinking there's gonna be some touchdowns on the ground rather than in the air, um, and that'll be the way we get some points on the board. But yeah,
2: right. how Probably. are the Giants' corners?
0: Actually, Banks is really good.
2: Okay, pick six has
0: happened.
1: I yeah, we had one of those. That was our first time scoring in the first half all year. It's a beautiful day.
0: Dory is battling a concussion, so that is. We don't need him.
1: Was there um?
2: Was there any truth to what the rumor that they they had a deal in place with the Niners for him, and then they just didn't get it reported in time, or is that just internet? Speculation.
0: No, that that ah. was fake news. That was that was um good old West. West Steinberg. Is that where you got that from?
2: Somebody told me that. I said, okay. I mean maybe Yeah, it
0: work. was probably coming from West. It's that fake parody account.
2: Got um, it. Ten yeah. four. That's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um Dallas thirty one ten for me. Um I don't see the defense giving up too much over thirty. I think possibly one of those touchdowns come from a defensive score. So we will see. But yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, Brian, I want to thank you very much for coming on tonight. This was oh, awesome. Pleasure, guys. Second time in the season. And um, I hope we're all wrong. That's so <laughs> all I've got to say on, on that one. Brian, where can people find you and your work over at? the sports box.
2: Yes. Uh, so sports box at sports box sports. We've been friends with review and preview for a while now. Big supporters of what you guys do. Love to see the growth there. Uh, we, uh, we do a variety of shows throughout the week. I think our bread and butter right now is game winning drive on Tuesday nights, as well as Sunday pregame uh, before the games on Sunday. But what might be more interesting to your audience being that they're New York audiences, me personally. I have a New York Ranger show called blue truth, uh, which is all Rangers all the time. It's at blue truth SB it's literally uh, it's, it's we don't wave pom-poms but we root for the team i think it's kind of a nice middle ground between they're wonderful and they suck all the time which tends to be what most people view as sports anymore um but it's been growing nicely we actually just broke six thousand followers on the bluetooth page last week so it's been a nice yeah i mean i've been pretty happy with it so i mean Ra- ranger fans are a special group i'll tell you that uh so it's been nice to see the uh Noah, who is a, a, Thanks, a, a d- double agent for both of us, uh, Giants are finished. When were the Giants starting?
1: <laughs> I
2: mean, it, it, it started off horribly. Like it's, it, 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 I don't well, know. That it's the Cardinals. Worse.
0: Can you take a step back from not having started?
2: Yeah, like it just—it's failure to launch. That's okay. It happens. Just look, but that—but that but that thats why I'm saying it's a throwaway year. Don't worry about it. It was—it was—it was, it was done before it started. Let's uh. get them Let's just maximize the return. Sam, are you still oh, yes, on like yes. um, like Giant Gear Strike, or was that just a happy accident? Today? Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't see where
1: he's just no. hidden.
2: No, I correct the one the one week I brought it up, and you're like, yes, you read that correctly. So I didn't. Know if
1: that was still the case. I yes, it was. It was in fact true. But I am. I do have Fair that Okay, I, I, as as you were, as you were.
0: So. Sam, appreciate you as always every week. Any final thoughts here before we sign off for the Big Blue Faithful?
1: Uh, yeah, just don't hurt my feelings. That's all. I'm okay with it. I've come to terms with everything. Just don't hurt my feelings anymore. <laughs> just, just go out there and try. Yeah, exactly.
0: You heard it here first, New York football giants. Appreciate you all for watching. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, at Big Blue Avenue. We appreciate all of your support. And without further ado, let's go Big Blue.